I'm Jerry Tiesa and you're listening to the Sound of the Loot podcast. afternoon or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast i'm your host steve mcpherson and here indoors at no risk for sunburn or sweat stains is play-by-play analyst callum williams cal who are the bands whose greatest hits collections are their best albums and did you own a copy of bob marley's legend in college so I knew you were going to ask me this because I saw your tweets over yes. the weekend. <laughs> you anticipated I, I really did, yes. Um, but me being a typical man, I didn't do any research on it anyway. So right. um, I, I'm obviously going to say Oasis because for me the, the albums were, were absolutely staggering. And yes, I owned um, many of uh, Bob Marley's uh, stuff. Um, I think I might have told this to you before. Um, in Birmingham, where I'm from in England, there was sort of mass immigration from uh, the, the Caribbean and the West Indies and mm-hmm. whatnot in sure, the sure. 50s, 60s, 70s. So reggae music is actually um, a, a humongous part of the culture of, of, right, of Birmingham. Right, so right. Um, it's funny, I'm, I'm listening to a reggae band at the moment who um, got recommended to me by one of the, the sponsorship boys, Josh Givens, um, a band called Revolution. Okay. Um, they're With from Colorado. Beat, right? And um, yeah, they're, they're, they're fabulous. They're reggae, um, sli- slightly American reggae, but I mean, it's I think it's really really good but um so yeah absolutely bob marley is is up there for me but um oasis for me steve had the best collection of albums because and i, and I know they didn't really ever properly make it over in america but um but they did pretty well they, they did okay considering the amount of competition they had at the time as sure, well sure um for me though Oasis um, defined the generation, particularly in the UK, and they seem to do it with every single album. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem to be able to identify how at least the British public were feeling mm-hmm. in that um, in that particular album, whether it's What's the Story, Morning Glory, or Standing on the Shoulder of Giants, or, you know, any of them. Um, they captured the zeitgeist. They, they did, absolutely, yeah. Uh, great word, by the way, I'm stealing that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's, my jo- it's my job. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, I mean, look, I'm obviously going to say. But do you feel their do you feel their greatest hits is 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 better than any of their individual albums, or do you feel that the albums themselves have a certain character that deserves merit and study, but on their own? I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. Of. Cool. The, the 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 formulation for this was based on uh, listening to the Rolling Stones, mm-hmm. and uh, I love. Of the Stones, I love Exile on Main Street mm-hmm. and Sticky Fingers particularly. I think Let It Bleed is also excellent. Uh, those are all mid-career. I mean, I guess it depends on how long their career has been going on for decades, <laughs> yeah. right? But that's sort of like those are li- relatively late records compared to the number of records that most bands get nowadays. Um, what I had growing up was Hot Rocks, which is the collection of everything up through uh, Sticky Fingers, I think. And, and that has just... 
I can't get no satisfaction. It has, you know, it's got Street Fighting Man. It's got, and that Hot Rocks collection. It's like you could just have that. You don't need the the eight albums they put out before right. Exile on Main Street mm-hmm. because it, none of the deep cuts there are necessarily. I mean, obviously, if you're a Stones completist or something, you want to sure. check those all. But you're basically getting all the hits. The other ones that people suggested to me, which I agreed with, the Doors. Like the Doors' greatest hits, you don't need any of the albums. Like mm-hmm. those are the songs. The Steve Miller Band. That blue album that has a horse on it. The hits. Queen, which my brother suggested, mm. which I uh, also is staggering because I think of them as fantastic artists and a terrific band with amazing creative vision. But I can't say I've ever listened to a whole album of theirs that wasn't their greatest hits because okay. their greatest hits is so good. Uh, other ones were the Eagles and Creedence Clearwater Revival that people threw out where it's like, if you have the greatest hits, that's basically what you need. And I understand. I don't think there's any shame in that. Mm. I think that... It's fine. It's just it's just some bands you need. You want to get an album because it has a depth. It Absolutely. has uh, you know. Uh, some people suggested Hendrix, and I understand that because Hendrix's greatest hits, and all, I mean, are also amazing. Sure. But I love Electric Ladyland so much as a piece. You know, a thing to put on and listen to front to back. That I would prefer that, or maybe even you know, Band of Gypsies or some of the other stuff. So. I, I don't know. It's just interesting to me because some bands, it's like, oh, well, they made hits. That's what they do. Mm. Go listen to their hits. Why would you need to listen to the deep cuts? Uh, yeah, I, I can certainly see what you're saying. Um, what, what I'd say about um, Oasis is that their greatest hits album was absolutely staggering. Sure. Um, but there were so many more that I thought they could have put on there. Yeah. Because, and I know this is being, me more than likely being biased, but... You know, there were, there were at least a handful that I thought, God, I thought that was a better song, or, or I thought <laughs> this this was um, higher in the charts. And yeah. it depends what you what you measure a you know a, a great hit a by. Hit you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah. But but the answer to your question is is Oasis for me. Yeah, th- I mean, and they're definitely one of those bands where if I think about um, you know the, their entire career. Sometimes this happens with bands where Foo Fighters is a good example, and in some ways, there's I think there's some parallels there um, in terms of a band carrying sort of the torch of rock through an era that wasn't like a particularly rocking era, you know. So the Foo Fighters, when I saw them in concert, and this was ten years ago at this point, um, but I had sort of been a fan of theirs probably mostly since their second record, The Color and the Shape, and I would sort of checked in on their records all the way through, and there were songs I liked. When I saw them live, and they were basically just playing every hit, Hmm. I was like, man, this catalog of Monkey Wrench, you know, Everlong, uh, you know, Learning to Fly. Like, there's so many songs of theirs that I was just like, oh, they really do have, like, their hits are just amazing, so. Um, anyways, we'll transition away from music now. <laughs> Back to soccer. I feel like with, the, you know, we did a couple live shows at Brits, which were really fun, but we sort of had to focus on the World Cup because that's what we were doing. Oh, quite uh, show as well, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't want anyone to riot if we started talking about obscure musical facts on the lawn of Brits, you know. So um, let's turn to something that was just announced this morning for the club, the signing of Romario Ibarra, uh, a new winger coming from uh, Ecuador. Uh, wait, is he in Ecuador now or is he just Ecuadorian? He, he's playing in Ecuador. He's in Ecuador playing for Universidad Católica. Católica? Católica. Católica. To, to my knowledge, anyway. Católica. Yes. <laughs> Look, hablo, I mean, this yo is... Yo hablo español. Hablo <laughs> um, <laughs> español un poco. Um, <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, you're right. Look, this is, uh, well, first of all, this is going to be quite exciting, having the Abarai uh, manoeuvring forward for Minnesota Yeah, we have, a, we have a poll out right now. Is it Abarai, Abarai? I, I was under the impression it was the Abarai, but, I mean, look, if Minnesota United fans have an idea moving forward, I am all for it. So. What about, like, Abarasauruses? Because it's a bar, sort of like dinosaur bar. I mean, that would be wonderful, but then what we need to do is we need to sign a center forward that has Rex in there somewhere. Yeah, so sure. The, yes, you know. All right. Are there uh, any footballers out there named Rex? There's got to be a, a handful somewhere. There's a basketball the player named Rex Chapman. Let's make him into a soccer player. Then. Okay. Well, he's kind of old now, but um, he's a it, like he's an older guy now. He's retired. But, okay. Well, um, we'll figure something out, I'm sure. Yeah. But look, Bar- I mean... <laughs> Barra Rex wouldn't be bad. Anyways, continue. This, this, um, <laughs> uh, obviously, uh, working for the club, we're made aware of these things a few days before they happen and whatnot. Um he gave me a good good chance to have a look at some tape, yeah. um, and you know he's a typical old fashioned winger. He gets his head down and gets to the byline as quickly as he as he as he can, and um, and he plays the ball across and, and he does it with with blistering pace behind him. So mm-hmm. um, he'll be great on the counter, no doubt about it. He'll he'll really fit into Adrian's system um, if he does what Adrian wants him to do. Um, and look, I mean, it's, it's it's always exciting when a new player comes in, isn't it? So, sure. Um, this is a, a good signing from what I've seen from Minnesota United, and, and, and very much, um, it's sort of. Um, I think nowadays, it's it's almost the identity of Major League Soccer now, where we're grabbing South American players from good leagues down there, and and they are arguably, uh, if not the best player in the league, they're certainly one of the better players, uh, one of the better teams in the league. Um, so I think this now is where Major League Soccer is at, and Minnesota mm-hmm. United are, are a firm part of that moving forward. Yeah, and Ibarra is he's 23, so he's on the young side. He looks old. Uh, <laughs> yes. When people see photos of him, you're going to think that he's in his mid-30s. He's one of the, one of those guys. We, in the NBA, we had Greg Oden, who from mm-hmm. the time he was 18 looked like he was a 50-year-old man. But uh, it, it, he's five foot nine. Pretty good size for a winger. Uh, I was struck by watching. I'm like, oh, he looks like he's got good size. He's an inch shorter than me. But <laughs> for a winger, I feel like that's uh, five foot nine is pretty good. Yes. Um, Adrian uh, said about him, we have been looking for some change of pace, change of game pace for the team. And that's one of the best things Romario does. He changes games with his pace and he challenges defenders. Um, I, I watched some video as well. The, I thought one of the things that one of the things that impressed me is his handle on the ball looked very tight. Like his dribble, mm-hmm. he kept the ball close. Uh, he looked fast with the ball, also, yep. which we have. We've had some guys uh, and have some guys uh, who are very who are very fast. Um, Abu Dunladi, obviously, very fast, but he has had some trouble controlling the ball when he's going at maximum speed. Um, Romario looks like he's got a little more control at the at that that sort of top speed. Um, very tenacious with the ball in in the high. And of course, I'm watching highlights. You know, like I'm going through YouTube. So obviously, it's it's probably the, the things that give the best impression of him. But it looked like he wasn't going down cheaply. It looked like he was he was punching the ball past defenders uh, and then getting back on it. Um, his shot looked okay. But you know, again, for a winger, you're mostly looking for them to create. I think, and we've got yep. we've got guys like Darwin who he can finish some. I mean, mm-hmm. he's okay. Yep, Quintero seems a little bit. Yeah. He's okay. He seems fine. <laughs> um, you know, and and I think that uh, so at 23, he fits into that mold of 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 a lot of the players that MLS is looking for. Teams in MLS are looking for. Um, I also think that it's it's like you said, a new player coming in is exciting. It, 
I think that Minnesota United is still the, the identity of of Minnesota United is evolving, mm-hmm. um, and we're seeing things like Adrian's willingness to try out different formations. You're seeing guys step up to the four. Adrian talked about how some of the guys were looking better in the three five two than they had uh, in the four two three one. So I think there's still a little bit of feeling out, and I think that it's exciting because a new player like this has a chance to sort of put his stamp on the team. And I'm sure, you know, for these young players who are coming from South America, they're looking to do well here and then hopefully move on eventually. I mean, I think that's a lot of players' goals. Um, I I think some of them, yeah. But I also think now, probably five years ago, I would have absolutely agreed with you. But I think now there are a majority of them who come up here because they want to play Major League Soccer. And you can see that it's a good league. um, And it's only going to get bigger as well. And and obviously the idea of living in America as well, uh, that's always attractive to a lot of of people around the world. So, um, But you, you bring up a good point, Steve, about the way that he, he looks when he's got the ball close to him. Um, for me, he he almost makes the ball look uh, a part of his body. Yeah, um, yeah, I was thinking about that. You know, and and that's that's great. You know, if that's very much like like Darwin Quintero does. Um, you know, I, I think this is going to be a really good signing. You know, there's obviously going to be a settling in period that there is with every player coming sure. in. Sure. Um, but I'm excited to see what he can do. And as I say, I mean, the most intriguing thing moving forward now. Is, is seeing what um, what system Adrian Heath goes with and how he uses um, Romario Ibarra. I personally think, again, I'll go back to the 4-2-3-1. Um, certainly wide players with the way that Adrian likes to play are more effective in that system. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting, Bert. Look, I mean, I, I think this is a, a good piece of the puzzle and uh, hopefully hopefully a few more to come as well. Yeah, speculating, I mean, if he, if he goes back to that 4-2-3-1, which I think is, mm. is probably inevitable with, when the team, when he has the health where he yes, wants Yes, when everyone's back like to, that, to so. normal. Where, where do you see, it looked like Romario was mostly on the right wing, um, a, a right winger. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Miguel Ibarra has ably filled in, has been along the right side, but he's also played on the left. Yep. Um, do you see Romario going on the right side in, in, that, in that formation? I see him going on... Whatever side uh, suits Miguel Ibarra. Mm-hmm. So um, right now, nobody can deny the the form of, of Miguel Ibarra. Yeah, it's um, been incredible. You know, he works works his backside off. Um, he's someone who who is always going to give absolutely everything. Um, you know, regardless of which position he's playing in, he's always going to give everything. So um, I think uh, with Quintero in the middle and the Ibarra. Either side. <laughs> it's a nice. It's nicely parallel. Right? <laughs> on either side. Uh, and then whoever Adrian goes as a centre forward uh, there, whether it's Ramirez or Toy, um, or Dan Ladi if he comes back when he comes back rather. Um, you know, I think um, I think it could be really good. I think it could be really really intriguing. Um, we are slightly turning in um, to much more of a, a team with uh, with a South American flair. Yeah. Um, which I have no problem with. Um, yeah. And though you know you have the deeper players there who will survey and look for the runs being made, you know, particularly Ibsen. Um, you know, I think um, I think this is a good signing, Steve. I really do. Um, yeah. As I said, though, that there is going to be an adjustment period. You know, we sure. can't expect sure. them to come right. guns and blazing and, yeah. and whatnot and uh, lighting the the league up straight away. Um, but look, I mean, it's uh, this is you know the transfer windows around the corner, yeah. and um, there's no doubt about it. After some recent performances. Um, there's obvious needs for this team. If the players are out there and they're available, then I think um, you know there's no reason to, to not go and get them. And um, I'm intrigued with this one. I really am. 
Yeah, I think that the the critical mass of of um, you know Spanish speaking players in, in in some sense. I mean, and I you know Ibsen's obviously he's Brazilian. He speaks Portuguese, but he I think he he does pretty all right in uh, in Spanish as well. I feel like there's something to the idea of as you, as you sort of these guys come over, it makes it a little easier for the next guy to come up, you know, like as you, as you know, that there's, you know, you know, you've got Darwin here, you've got Calvo here, you've got these guys who are, who are leaders on the team and, and they speak that language and they come from, you know, um, uh, the Spanish speaking world. I think mm-hmm. that that helps every time when you bring a new guy in that there's that, that comfortability with that. So. Yeah, absolutely. It'll certainly help the foreign players settle in if there's more of them. Yeah. Then, yeah, I mean, I can sort of semi-vouch for them coming here as a, sure. as a foreigner. Obviously, I speak the language, but I mean... Kind of you speak the language. Yeah, sort of, yeah. I mean, there's sort um, of things you don't. You know, <laughs> yeah, but, um, it's a little different here, but um, it's aluminum. Uh, you've got... Oh, 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 you're missing loads of U's all over the place as well. Like, <laughs> it's about efficiency. We don't need those U's, so... Um, yeah, I saw that Darren was saying that there's actually pretty good Colombian food here uh, oh, really? in the Twin Cities. So in, a, okay. in an interview, so uh, there's a place near me called La Colonia that I I need to check out, which is mm-hmm. Colombian and Ecuadorian. Um, and then there's an uh, an Ecuadorian place very close to me called Chimborazo on Central that is excellent. So maybe Romario and I have to go hang out there. So yeah, well, when you do, make sure you uh, you make sure you you send me the invite. Yeah, okay. I, uh, very much, we'll be looking forward to that. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> Let's look ahead to the next uh, home match, which is an international friendly. It's going to be against. Uh, Deportiva, Deportivo Saprissa, mm-hmm. Saprissa, Saprissa, yes. uh, which is Francisco Calvo's uh, mm. former club. Mm. Uh, uh, Johan Venegas is currently loaned out, uh, although he won't be making the trip with yep. with with the, with the team. Um, my overall take on this. I mean, obviously, an international friendly is is fun. Uh, I think that people can be under the mistaken impression that it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't count, obviously, in the standings, <laughs> but that it doesn't matter just because you're not going to see starters, uh, the usual starting 11. But I think that it's important to understand that within the, the context of the entire MLS season, chances like this are huge to help make sure that depth pieces and guys on the bench are getting match time or getting the chance to see the field because we know that the team needs more depth um, but also that there's some guys there who just don't get to see the field. And if they're not seeing the field, they're not in shape for when they're needed. So uh, chances like this is a chance for these guys to show Adrian something. I think it's a mistake to think that it just doesn't matter. It matters. It just doesn't it, it, just because you're not seeing the starters. It's still important for the team as a whole. Absolutely. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> think, right um, over there. Well, oh, it's <clears throat> three games in eight days. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And now more to come, another two weeks of this. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think um, you, you're right, Steve, that it, it's an opportunity for, for several of the, uh, the fringe players um, to come and, and show what they're made of. Um, there's been a lot made of the fact that Minnesota United don't have a USL um, affiliate. Sure. Which, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't a problem. Um, Back when I first came into this league in 2011, it wasn't a problem. People just seemed to to be able to get fit anyway. Um, but what there was back then, there, there was the reserve league. Right. So which, you know, I mean, it's fairly self-explanatory, but um, it gave people a chance to play. Yeah. So that's the biggest issue that we have, particularly at this team right now, is that, you know, um, Mason Toy, who has been really good in training over the last two months or so, mm-hmm. You know, for the most part, there's no game for him at the weekend. Yeah. You know, he, and if he gets in the game, he's coming in late. 
yep. into a situation yep. where you know, like, who knows what could what he's being asked to do? Exactly. Uh, you know, you've got some time to get warm. You want to get some shots and things like that. It's just you don't. You know, that's a tough situation to be in. Exactly. And even people like uh, you know, I, I know why Olmsberg has had the chance to go and play at Tulsa Roughnecks and, and, and done well um, from what I hear. Um, and, and, and that meant he came in um, looking a little more stable, I thought, against Dallas a couple of, uh, mm -hmm. uh, eight days ago. Yeah. Um, which is great. Um, you know, that wouldn't have been the case had he not have been able to play, I don't think. So, um, you know, there's, there's a young goalkeeper who we have in our ranks called uh, Alex Cap as well, who I'm, I'm desperate to see in a match situation because he's phenomenal in training. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the best shot stoppers I've seen um, since I've been in this country, um, reminds me a lot of a, a young Nick Romando. Um, so I'd love to see him play. I mean, I, I would assume Matt Lampson will, will get some game time as well. He very much needs uh, that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, people like Maximiano and, and, and Harrison Heath, uh, I'm sure we'll see the field as well. It's a good opportunity. Um, but also as well, we're, because of the, the depth issue that we have at this club, you know, you, you would expect to see a couple of first-teamers out there as well. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm sure Adrian will ask the question of the players over the next day or two, does anybody fancy playing? You know, if you yeah. don't want to play, if you want to break, then sure, I get it, no problem. We've got a big game against Rail Salt Lake coming up on Saturday. But if you want to play, no problem, I will play you. No problem at all. As you said, right. the results really doesn't matter. It's, it's more about what you get out of the game. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you know, uh, I, I think we'll see. Um, I think we'll see a mixture of first teamers um, eventually, with with more uh, more reserve players playing, no doubt. Yeah, I, obviously a good opportunity. Carter Manley is another guy. Like I don't think you mentioned, but he's mm -hmm. somebody who ne who needs some time. But Big time. It, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if you saw you know Calvo out there still. Yep. Um, you know he's getting reacclimated to the team. Uh, you know stepping back into that captain role. He obviously it, it's a little tough to go in and then be suspended and then yeah. you know have to come back. You know, so I, I could see him wanting to get in before they play. Oh, absolutely. RSL, absolutely. So. He'll want to play against his former club as well. Yeah, that's the opportunity, even if it is forty five minutes. You know, so sure. you, you make a good point there, Steve, about, you know, he's been suspended. It, it's been a bit wayward over the last couple of weeks for him in terms of game action. So, yeah, I mean, get him 45 minutes, have him play against his former club. You know, he won a league title with them. So right. Right. there's going to be a little bit of meaning in there for him. So absolutely play him for a bit. But, you know, for the most part, he'll be surrounded by players who um, who I think will be wanting to make the most of their opportunity. Sure. Let's turn our attention now to uh, Real Salt Lake, next MLS uh, match we have, which is coming on Saturday. Uh, they're they're currently fourth in the West, uh, but they're one seven and one on the road, um, and their goal differential is a negative seven. So mm -hmm. um, it, you know it's it, there's an opportunity there, I think, uh, for for Minnesota United at home, uh, where 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 Minnesota United has been good. Uh, what, what's your take on on Real Salt Lake and how their their season has been um, sort of so far? I think the the season so far for Rail Salt Lake um, has been indifferent, but I think uh, over the last couple of weeks they've really found their groove. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of Mike Petke, the coach. Um, I thought he was uh, ridiculously dismissed by New York Red Bulls several years ago. Um, and I, look, I know things obviously worked out for the Red Bulls with with Jesse Marsh and whatnot, um, eventually taking over. But uh, for me, Mike Petke's a really good young coach in this league. Um, Somebody who, um, you know, I think over the next, uh, if he carries on the way he's he started his managerial career, um, you know, could could be in line for bigger and better things. So um, he's got them playing, um, you know, lovely flowing football. It's it's taking time. There's no doubt they started the season 
slightly precariously, there's no doubt. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is what they've done, Real Salt Lake, over the last uh, two years, I would say, um, regardless of who the coach was, they've spent money and they've spent it well and they've spent it wisely. Um, they have a young attacking midfielder from South America, Savarino, who um, I'm a big fan of. Um, mm-hmm. One of these players who he tends to float rather than run. Um, you know, he always seems to be hovering on the edge. Um, he, he scores all sorts of goals. He will score goals from range. He will mm-hmm. score goals by making a late run and towing the line and getting in between the, the defenders and the goalkeeper and um, finishing that way. And, um, you know, his, his assists um, have been great since he's come into Major League Soccer as well, his assist record. So, um, you know, right now we're, see- <clears throat> excuse me, we're seeing... Uh, some of the the Real Salt Lake uh, centre forwards um, become beneficiaries of that. That the youngster uh, Baird up front, he's a rookie, and he doesn't look like a rookie at all. Right. Um, right. You know he's he's had tremendous service. So, you know, attacking wise, I think Real Salt Lake have been have been a joy to watch, particularly over the last month or so. Um, as I mentioned, Mike Pecky has really got them going. So the question will be. And it has been for a while with RSL. Can they play the same type of soccer on the road? Mm-hmm. So I'm intrigued to see what their approach is. Do they come here, fancy themselves and start playing a bit? Or are they a little more reserved, pack it in a little more and, and play for a point? I, I think knowing Mike Petke as I do and having seen him, uh, seen his teams over the last couple of years, I think he'll want to come and play. Mm-hmm. I really do. Which, yeah. by the way, will suit Adrian Heath and his system. Sure. So... Interesting one, but we know Minnesota United, if they are to get into the postseason, these are simply games they have to win. Yeah. Well, and with regards to that, this starts a three-match homestand. We had a homestand a little while ago where we talked about the importance of that period and seeing what the team was really like. It was sort of, by the end of that, it was sort of 50-50. I thought we didn't really take advantage of of that homestand, but, you know, did okay. This is obviously another, we're hitting a make-or-break stretch over the next two weeks, basically, with these these three home matches. This yep. is the time to start trying to claw up into that that, that bottom end of the playoff. Back into the conversation. Um, look, yeah, so, first of all, how important is that? And obviously, and then what do you think are the chances of turning around and, and, and coming away with six points or something like that out of the next three matches? Well, there's, um, there's a good chance, in my opinion, but who knows? Yeah. <laughs> with, the way this, with the way this league works, Steve. I mean, yeah, early on I would have thought New England, okay, you know, yeah, that's good. Yeah. But they've they've looked pretty good recently. New England so. have been great under Brad Friedel. He's um, he's really steered them in the right direction. You know, he's, he's been great. Um, I think um, you, you you mentioned the the away record there for Real Salt Lake. That's that's an opponent you would expect to beat at home. Right. That really is. New England will be really interesting. Big crowd for that day as well, to my knowledge. Yeah, um, that's right. But I think. Um, the, the New England game, um, it, it's obviously an out-of-conference opponent, so if you don't claim a win there, it's its not catastrophic. But right. with the situation that Minnesota United are in, you need to claim as many points as you can at home. It's as simple as that. Um, and then facing LAFC after that. Uh, LAFC will, will will fancy any, going up against anybody right now. Yeah, They, um, <clears throat> they did a tremendous piece of business um, just before the window closed, uh, the last window, and they bought him uh, Adama Diamande from Hull City, who it was a signing that very much went under the radar. Yeah. We, we, we highlighted it in our pregame show on, on Fox uh, Sports North, um, but I, I don't think enough people in this country knew enough about him. Sure. 
He he scored a tremendous amount of goals in Norway at Stavak, um, working under Bob Bradley. And he went to Hull City. Hull City got relegated from the Premier League and they underwent a coaching change and another coaching change. Mm-hmm. It just it, it was the wrong situation for him. You know, sure. sometimes it, it's interesting to see how players react in that situation and, and, and Diamandé... Um, you know, he didn't get much of an opportunity. Um, the, the footballing situation just wasn't right for him. So he, he needed a move. Yeah. Um, obviously, then Bob Bradley takes over at LAFC, gives him a call and says, look, come and play football here for a bit and and see how you how you feel, see if you like it. Yeah. And now it's nine goals in seven games. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, he's a big boy. Yeah. He is a monster. Um, but the thing is, what I like about him is for such a big boy... Um, He's technically really, really good. Mm-hmm. You sometimes in, in soccer, Steve, size can can hamper um, with little things like your touch. Uh, your size can get in the way. Um, but Adama Diamande doesn't seem to have any sort of issue whatsoever. Yeah, He's big, he's powerful, he's got pace, which again is another thing you don't find very often with big boys as well. And his finishing is really good. He's really composed as well in front of goal. Like, He's not a typical, um, you know, big centre forward. Like for example, I'll use Josie Altidore. Sure. You know, when you have when when Josie Altidore was through on goal, um, there are times when he opens up the body and whatnot and, and puts it in the corner. But for the most part, he's very closed. Mm-hmm. He's almost slightly awkward in front of goal, mm-hmm. um, which is why I, I don't ever think he, he went on that one season, that one season tear in Holland for for AZ, where he scored like thirty-one goals. But the majority of those goals were blasted. Right. They, they, they were powerful efforts. Um, giving the goalkeeper a little chance. Yeah. Um, very few of them were, were composed finishes. I'm, I'm sure there's that may be the wrong word because I'm sure there's composure in the finishing that he's that, that he's executing, but but it's not in the traditional manner that you would expect. Sure. My point here, Steve, is that Adama Diamande can do what Josie Altidore does there, but also there's been a few times I've seen him through on goal and he opens up the body straight away, mm-hmm. leans to the left slightly and you know he's going into the far right-hand corner. Like he's, he, he does things like that. Yeah, he's got the touch. He, he does yeah. really well in front of goal. So um, I'll, I'll be interested to see how they how they handle that. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to, you know, I remember thinking, oh, well, you know, LAFC looks great, but, you know, Vela's going away for the for the World Cup. And like, how, how are they going to, oh, well, they'll just get this guy who just yes. scores. <laughs> And then obviously, when when Minnesota United played them, Carlos Vela will be back right. in the World Cup. Obviously, yeah. already already back now with Mexico yeah. crashing out. But um, you know they have some fabulous pieces behind him as well. Of riches, you know. Oh my word! I mean, Latif <laughs> Blessing as well. Yeah, on the left hand side. I mean, I, For real. I remember having a conversation with Peter Vermees when when Kansas City were here, and and he, you know, sort of said, still to this day, it's one of his biggest regrets because yeah, you know, they didn't protect him in the expansion draft because they didn't think anybody knew much about him. Sure. Uh, and obviously there were other pieces that they needed to protect as well, but a player who was earning, I think at the time it was $65,000, you know, and now he's been taken by LAFC and yeah. he's, do, he's doing really well. And obviously Diego Rossi on the far side as well is, is phenomenal, young designated player. Um, Benny Fellharbert, experienced, brilliant, creative player who, who will obviously do the business. And then Mark Anthony Kay as well, who, um, yeah. you know, come out of nowhere, was tremendous at Louisville and USL. Um, I saw an interview with him um, just before LA played Orlando uh, this past weekend because he was um, he was bestowing James O'Connor with a, a ton of praise because mm-hmm. that was the coach down there in, in, in uh, Louisville for, for a couple of years whilst Kay was, was learning his craft. And James right. O'Connor, for those who don't know, was a holding midfielder. So he sort of taught Anthony Kay certain intricacies that he perhaps didn't 
coming through the Toronto Academy and whatnot. So, mm-hmm. um, look, we, we could go through the whole team, couldn't we? Uh, LAFC are going to be a really, really tough opposition, no yeah. doubt. Yeah. Well, let's turn uh, briefly, last, last little thing to talk about, the World Cup. Touch, <laughs> touch, touch back on that. First of all, um, England. <laughs> Man, is, is it – you're excited – are you getting increasingly nervous? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's, it's not sunk in yet, Steve. I'll be totally honest. Yeah. Um, first of all, what what I will say is, um, if if you haven't had a chance, get down to Brit's Pub to, to watch oh, a yeah, game because absolutely. it's um, it's tremendous. It really is. I've watched a couple of games there now, and um, there was uh, an event that we did there a couple of Saturdays ago, and it was the Portugal Uruguay game, which was tremendous, and the, you know you couldn't move in the pub. It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, Watching an England game there, and I have to say, well, well done to, to Joe and Shane, all, all the boys that, that own Brits Pub, because somebody who is obviously not from here, you, you do miss home from time to time. Sure. And uh, watching the last game I was there, obviously we were in Houston this past weekend, so the last game I watched there was the knockout game against Colombia. Mm-hmm. And um, whatever they do uh, for the England fans there, they do a, a, an array of different things but it made it feel like home for me. Now, I don't know if that was because I was surrounded by 50, 60 British lads anyway. Yeah, I don't expense, know. But, sure, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, 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 there was an understanding that we were all there and all there together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when the last penalty goes in for England to win it, um, you know, uh, the, the boys at Brits put on some English football songs as well and we're all singing and dancing and drinking beer. And, and it, it, you know, I, I did toy, Steve, with... I said to the missus that I was thinking about if I got the chance just flying back if England got to the final for... Just for... Even for 48 hours, just to be in England. Right, yeah. Um, but with the atmosphere that Brits Pub put on, I, I don't think I need to yeah. because of the way it is there. Yes. So... Um, it's your embassy. It's yeah, absolutely, embassy yeah. In for you, so, <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, look, it's it it's been tremendous. Um when when we went to penalties against Columbia, Steve, I mean, you know, the, uh, to my knowledge, I was sort of half paying attention to the the graphics and the broadcast uh, that folks were putting on because I was, you know, had my my head in my hands most of the, <laughs> most of the penalty shootout. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's uh, as people saw, it was something like twenty two years since we had advanced on penalty kicks yeah. um, at a World Cup. So as soon as as soon as we got to penalties, we're all thinking, right, well, that's it then. You know, the, right. the old curse will will come upon us again. Yeah. And then Jordan Henderson misses the penalty. Um, and and again, we were like, well, that's it then. Yeah. That's it. We're done. You know? <laughs> right. right. Um, I'm getting texts and everything, which I refuse to look at during the penalty shootout. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think I was one of those people. You were one of those people. Yeah, yes. I apologise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I understood. I understood. Um, and then, obviously, I, I said this before, Steve. When Carlos Bacca stepped up to take the penalty for Colombia, I thought to myself, well, that's, that's that. Then, you know, mm-hmm. he scored goals all over the place. And when he hit the crossbar, I don't think I've screamed as loud <laughs> ever in my life yeah. for someone hitting the crossbar. <laughs> uh, and then, obviously, we, we go on and, and uh, Eric Dyer goes and, and scores the decisive penalty kick. And, uh, you know, next thing I know, just drenched in beer and people just hugging each other and, you know... Um, it, it, it's been great. It's, it's been really, really great. And, and obviously, uh, watching the game um, on Saturday, I, I watched it with with Adrian and a couple of the coaching staff and a couple of the players and, and our broadcasting crew. And uh, that was a very different atmosphere, much more professional than later. Sure. <laughs> right, right, of course. <laughs> but, um, you know, again, um, there were the appropriate cheers and, and 
clenching of fists when when certain goals were scored and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, as as people, I'm sure, unless you've been living under a rock, it, it's coming home. Yeah, I right. really, really, it, it's, and I, I refuse to believe it. I really did because I, I, I know what this team is like. I've, right. you know, the last time we were in the semi-finals was was nineteen ninety. Right. I was one year one right. year old then, Steve. So I mean, I, <laughs> throughout my life, I've been consistently let down by the English national team. So, um, I say it's coming home, but I'm I'm going to move forward with cautious optimism, sure. um, because Croatia are a very good team. And then getting to the final, if it happens, it's France or Belgium. I had France from the very get-go to win it. Yeah. Um, this is going to be a humongous task now for the national team. So we'll see. But um, as I said, I, I, I will. Um, my heart will say it's coming home. All but right. my, my head will say it's it's going to France. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, for me, I think the thing is, is I'm just gonna I'm just gonna miss the World Cup so mm. much, like when it when it's over, knowing that it's coming down to it, because it's been such a nice. Uh, experience to sort of as someone without a particular rooting interest um, the US team didn't make it I don't know if you knew that but um, <laughs> you know I, I really liked I, I like Nigeria coming in because they had those kits but I didn't expect them you know necessarily to go very far uh, did you I, ever get one of those by the way I am still waiting I still refresh my browser every day to see if they're in stock yet um, I did go ahead and pull the trigger on a Costa Rica jersey oh, for, right. for my large adult son Francisco Calvo so uh, I did get a Costa Rica jersey uh, which is fun I also liked following along with Costa Rica I picked Belgium to go all the way before beforehand, so I feel rewarded in that. Mm. I went and saw a match at the Swedish Institute, this the the Sweden Switzerland match, which sort of made me a Sweden fan okay. in that moment. You know, like it's just sort of wherever you are, if you don't have a rooting interest. When the fans get into it, it just sort of pulls you in, and all of a sudden, you know, they're just being in a room full of, you know, comparatively reserved Swedes yeah. of of people of Swedish descent. Um, you know, just ah, like they, they just save a, or a cheer when they win or they get a goal. You know, things like that. You just kind of get sucked into it, and and to come yeah. into the office, you know, most days now and know like, oh, there's going to be a game on. There's going to be a game in the afternoon. You'll be able to sort of follow along with that. It's just it's a nice. It's a nice atmosphere. It's a nice thing that's sort of a the, the, the rolling tournament element of, his, of it is great. And I'm just a little sad that it's going to come to an end. Yeah. And I'm going to have to wait four years, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's It's been carnage in the office, hasn't it? Yeah. I don't think I've got any work done for about I, four weeks. It's been brilliant. It's a, it's, it's a mixed bag because on the one hand, it's like I, f I feel behind in some yeah. elements. But I'm also glad that we get to have soccer on. You know? Yeah, so, absolutely. And look, it's not again, a bad way to work. Yeah. And I think, I think for me, Steve, again, it's, it's sort of further uh, personifies the point that, look, I mean, th there's nothing more in the world that brings the world together than, than soccer. And, and yeah. I think, um, again, the World Cup just proved it, doesn't it? You know, and it doesn't matter that America didn't make the tournament, you know, this this whole office. And I know the Twin Cities has been galvanized by it. You know, it's it's yep. been absolutely wonderful. And I agree. The It's just a shame that it's it's coming to an end. It went, went like that, didn't it? I know, it right? really, really quick. I felt like, I was like, oh, we have a lot of time. Look at all these matchups. We've got the group stage. We've got, mm. you know, a gajillion matches every day. And now we're down yeah. to this, like, oh, just, like, one match. Yeah, it's, it, it seems <laughs> like an age ago. I, I was back in England for the for the first England game against Tunisia mm -hmm. and for the opening of the tournaments and whatnot. And wow. Seems like a... How old were you then? That was, like, <laughs> <laughs> much younger. I, I feel like um, it's, it's just, you know, it, it, it's been... Um, such a tremendous tournament for me, Steve, as well. 
Uh, probably the best World Cup I can ever remember as well. Yeah. Just just because there's been so many upsets, and you know, this is the one World Cup where I, I've never wanted England to go into a game as favourites. Sure. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. someone said that we were favourites against Colombia, and instantly I tensed up and I was like, oh, <laughs> not this World Cup, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, no, it, it's been tremendous, and um, what I will say to everybody is just just enjoy the rest of it. You know, we've got some absolutely mouthwatering games coming up this week. Yeah. And then the final on Sunday. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, thanks for joining us for the 18th Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United's next home match is the international friendly against Deportiva Saprissa on Wednesday, July 11th at 7 p.m. at TCF Bank Stadium. Hey, season ticket holders, you have a ticket for this game. It's hmm. marked TBD in your ticket package. You already got it. Uh, if you don't have it, you can print it out online. The game will also be streamed at MNUFC.com, so check that out. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes, or at the very least, a five-star rating. And follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steventurous. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>